Thank you, Francis. Good morning. I wonder what you heard when Francis read this to us. What did you feel? What were your immediate questions? Just mentally or literally, make a note of them. If I don't answer them, come and talk to me afterwards. Let's pray. Dear God, I ask that you would speak to each of us here today. Help us to take the next step towards you on our own journey of discipleship. Amen. It's often worth sitting with what strikes you from what you've heard or read. Different words will connect at different times. Wonderfully, something you think you know really well may speak to you in a whole new way. I love it when you sit there and go, oh, I know this. And then it's just something completely different. God has got so much for us. For me, it was, oh no, why didn't I get the lost sheep? <laughs> I love Jesus, but I really, really love my family. And where does Jesus' continuous ethic of love throughout all of his teachings fit in with hating your family? Context is everything. If we really want to understand what's being said to us through the Bible, so often bits of it are misquoted and the meaning gets completely changed. For example, people say, don't they, the sun shines on the righteous and that sounds like, oh, it's great. If you're a Christian, it'll always be sunny. It's not true. It would be easy if it was with no when to plan the barbecues and the outside events. Do you know the end of the quote? It's actually love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. For your God in heaven makes the sun, shine, the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. It's actually about loving your enemies because God loves us all equally, not about feeling smug because the sun shone when you wanted it to. What about this? Eat, drink and be merry. Great, isn't it? What's the end? You know what the end is? <laughs> yeah. As you pop your Prosecco, for tomorrow we die. It's a bit of a party killer, isn't it, that one? <laughs> May not be what people mean when they say drink and be merry. It's reminding us that we can't take our material possessions with us, so be generous while you're here. Context is everything. So what is the context of these words that Luke has recorded of Jesus? If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Jesus always speaks truth to people to take the next set, step towards a greater understanding of God whether that's the forgiveness and warning to the woman caught in adultery, or whether it's telling the rich young ruler to give up his riches, or whether it's telling the disciples the next thing they need to know, or whether it's rebuking the Pharisees. Here, Jesus is redirecting the ambition of the crowd that is following him. 
Why are they following him? Perhaps because of his radical new teaching that God loves all people and to follow him brings freedom and life in all its fullness. Perhaps because of the miraculous signs and wonders they've heard about or seen. Perhaps in the hope that he is the rescuer, the Messiah promised in the Old Testament. Perhaps just because it's his moment of celebrity. They don't know that they're following him as he walks to Jerusalem for the last time. Many in the crowd want him to rescue them from the Romans who have invaded their land and are the brutal occupying force. They want Jesus to conquer the oppressors. They do not know that Jesus is not going to conquer, but to be vanquished. He is heading for the cross, not to take back control for Israel. He's heading for a victory that very few of them have begun to grasp. Not an end to their present suffering, but an end ultimately to all suffering. Sacrifice was going to be required, not just from Jesus, but from them also. If they wanted to come any further on this journey with him, they needed to count the cost. Jesus warns them and us in advance that the way of discipleship is not easy. If you're just a hanger-on, just a sightseer, then go now, because it's going to be very different to how you think. This is the thrust of these verses, and it's repeated three times. Here in verse 26, the word translated hate is a Semitic idiom that means love less. It's a relative term, meaning not to honor or privilege something above something else. In other words, Jesus must be the number one priority in our lives, above even family, above even our own life, perhaps. The message translation is anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters. Yes, even one's own self can't be my disciple. Middle Eastern writing from this time is deliberately vivid and when making a point, to contrast and exaggerate. There are two other points that may help us put this into context. Firstly, the situation of most of the earliest Christians was itinerant. Discipleship then mostly meant a willingness to leave home and travel from village to village in order to tell people the good news. No internets or phones. News traveled slowly and by foot. And if we look at this picture from now, these men are leaving their families. I can barely say this. Not because they don't love them, but because they love Ukraine so much. And they have a cause that they believe in, and they want to fight for that which overrides even their desire to be with their women and their children, their mothers and their fathers. Ukrainian people are being called to make a sacrifice for the defense of their country. It's not what they wanted, but it's where they find themselves. In the same way, Jesus' disciples need to be prepared to sacrifice all for Jesus and for his cause. Jesus repeats this in verse 27. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple can't see that one. I have to check it's right. Here, the image of the cross clearly suggests that there will be suffering. 
This language of carrying our cross has been corrupted like our earlier misquoted example. Bearing a cross has nothing to do with chronic illness or painful physical conditions or trying family relationships. It is instead what we do voluntarily as a consequence of our commitment to Jesus. Bearing our cross is what we do voluntarily as a consequence or commitment to Jesus. Cross-bearing requires deliberate sacrifice and exposure to risk and ridicule in order to follow Jesus. The commitment is not just to a way of life or to church, it's a commitment to a person, Jesus. A disciple follows another person and learns a way of life from them. And just so that the people listening can be sure, Jesus gives them two examples from their everyday. And he starts with suppose. And when he says suppose, it means this is really obvious, okay? This is really obvious. And the first example is about building a tower. A common enough site in first century vineyards, a tower was used to house the press and perhaps the workers and as a lookout to protect from thieves, to protect the livelihood. And then, as now, building work was probably expensive and you couldn't, shouldn't start without making sure you can finish or you may be disrespected, disre disrespected by your neighbours. It would be like starting an extension and having your house left open to the elements people walking by and wondering why it was never finished. Jesus may have subtly been referencing the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, started by Herod the Great and continued by his heirs. He had already warned them that the house of God had been abandoned, that God was no longer in the temple when he lamented over Jerusalem. Within a lifetime, it would be a smouldering ruin. And this is not unconnected with the second example of going to war. Some of Jesus' contemporaries were eager to fight the occupying forces, to hold on to their ancestral lands and possessions, to be set free from their oppressors without really understanding the extent of the Roman power and might. The consequence of this would have been annihilation. Oh, I'm missing a slide there. Again, in verse 33, Jesus says, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. And the NRSV translates this as a willingness to say farewell or take leave of our possessions, to open our hands and put everything we have at his disposal. As Jesus set his face for Jerusalem for the last time, giving up his family, friends, and the few material comforts he enjoyed, he was prepared to sacrifice everything, literally picking up his cross, giving his life for them and us so we could all possess God's kingdom. And the cost. Jesus asked his would-be followers to consider the cost of discipleship, and we should think about it carefully too. What will the cost be for us today? in the 21st century. The context is different. But still, to become a disciple of Jesus means thinking about our lives and realizing we will never be good enough to be able to earn our place in God's kingdom on our own. That our sin, however big or small, 
stands in the way of us and God. It means accepting God's righteous judgment of realizing that we are in a perilous situation and understanding that we need rescuing. Otherwise, when we die, we die. There is no hope of heaven. And I talk to a lot of people who are bereaved and who are desperate to believe all those things that we say when a Christian dies. But it's not a reality for their life. We need to accept that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It means acknowledging that Jesus is the only rescuer and that through his life and teaching, he showed us how to live for God in a new way of truly loving God first in everything we do and loving others as much as we love ourselves. We need to understand our need to repent, to turn away from our own selfish way and to start to be more like Jesus. It means accepting that by dying on the cross, Jesus sorted out our sinfulness once and for all. That when we repent, God will forgive us and that however much we struggle to live this new life, God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, will help, heal, comfort and strengthen us. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It means trying to get our heads around the fact that this world is not all there is, that Jesus overcame death, demonstrated in his resurrection, that God's kingdom has come, and somehow there will come a time when there will be no more death, no mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things will pass away. It means redemption from our past, life in all its fullness for our present, and life eternal in the future. It means living our lives as though we really believe these things matter more than anything else, of regularly refreshing our minds so we don't forget, reading and rereading, listening and learning, living so our words and actions show we belong to God and not the world, using our time, talents, possessions, and money to continue building God's kingdom here on earth. It means being able to give an account of what you believe in, being prepared to suffer for doing good. It means being part of God's family, the church, to give and receive support, encouragement, teaching, and service, playing our part however big or small. It means giving our lives to Jesus and living for him, of losing our lives, but gaining our life in him in return. So often today, we're asked to agree to complex terms and conditions. Do you always read them? Apparently, there's not enough time in life to read all of the mobile phone contracts. Sometimes we just read, we just tick the box with only a cursory read or not at all. And I can't say what will be asked of each of you if you decide to follow Jesus. I don't know whether he'll call you to stay like Lazarus was asked, like Legion was asked to stay after he was healed when he wanted to go, or whether he'll call you to go. 
I don't know whether he'll ask you to stay in your home in a difficult situation or whether he'll ask you to balance a horrendous job with your home life. I don't know any of those things. These are worked out through prayer and discussion with other Christians and with God, which is why being part of a smaller group where you've got someone as a sounding board is so important to the Christian walk of life. I don't know what cross you will have to bear. It is different for us all. No one can know that. And Jesus wasn't asking for a detailed guarantee for the future. If he was, it would be very difficult for any of us to sign up and to be sure that we wanted to be a disciple. But he is asking us seriously and wholeheartedly to consider in advance what that commitment requires. Do read or listen to Jesus' small print in any one of the biographies of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. Or read one or two Peter on how to live as a disciple remembering that our context now is different. Talk it through with someone here, or go online and look at the info and stories on the St. James by the Park website or the Alpha website. Do pray to God, either in your head or out loud, on your own or with a friend. I'd like to end by thinking about the counter-argument. What do we lose by not following Jesus. If we prioritise everything else, if we're too attached to our material possessions to give them up, if we can't dedicate time to him or give up our sinful ways, by making excuses we turn down the invitation to come to him, the greatest invitation we will ever receive. Better than soft play, better than a party, better than the cricket, even better than Anfield. It will be like living in black and white when you could have been living in colour. It will mean like missing out on being a new creation, of our past life holding us back, of not being forgiven, of not being healed of all the things that have gone wrong of having to carry our past mistakes and baggage with us the whole of our earthly lives. It would mean having to struggle to forgive and get closure on our own, not with God. It will mean not having Jesus' love and friendship, of not being joint heirs with him in the kingdom of God. It would be, mean being blown about by every wind of change, never being able to keep up, of a critical inner voice not counteracted by the compassionate, love, loving voice of God who wants only what is best for you. It would mean rejecting the continuous and remarkable help and support of the Holy Spirit, which is with us day and night, which God gives to believers to teach, comfort, counsel and guide them. It would mean never being able to just stop and know that being you is enough for now. It would mean not knowing the peace of God which transcends all understanding, of not having God to calm our fears and anxieties. 
it would mean not living life in all the fullness that God has prepared for us, of missing the delights and surprises he has for us along the way, both big and small. It would mean never really being part of the family here on earth, of never having the close loving church family of friends wherever you are in the world. It would mean giving up on any hope for the future, of having nothing to be sure of after death, for those we love and for ourselves. It would mean no assurance of God's ultimate justice for those who are evil. It would mean facing God's wrath and judgment ourselves when we die, for we have all been part of what is wrong, but most of all for rejecting Jesus' life, death and sacrifice for rejecting God's free, undeserved gift of eternal life. The gift of God is free. It is God's undeserved gift. It is grace, without a doubt, free to all, offered to all. We each have to accept that for ourselves, though. We each have to tick that box. It means surrendering our life to God and discovering what Jesus meant when he said that those who lose their lives gain it. It means giving all that we are and all that we have to God and being awed at what he does with that and what he gives us in return. I'm going to ask Gareth and the band to come and play now for us as we take time to respond to these words. It may be that you are already committed to be a disciple and you are keen to recommit. It may be that you're struggling with following Jesus and be seeking help to start again. It may be that you were following, but you're not now. Or that you have never really committed. Maybe you'd like to. Maybe you're not sure. Please use the words of this song, Christ is enough for me, to consider the cost, to use the words as your own prayer. <coughs> Please sit and listen. But when you are sure, stand up to make that commitment. When we sing, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Choose for yourself. <coughs> 